Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola, and we're coming to you with a brief message before the episode starts because we are in uh, yet another week of this long-lasting quarantine, and so just wanted to give you a little preface to this episode. This was recorded right before all of this news broke. We kind of got worried and sat down and recorded as many episodes as we could in the studio. This is the last one that you're going to get that's pre-recorded, and we've been working really hard to figure out the technology to do our show, which is a particularly boisterous show remotely. So starting next week, you'll be hearing a little bit more contemporary content that we're putting together as uh, as we speak. And we've got some really creative stuff that we hope will help you guys get through these extra long days locked up in the house. We're praying for everybody and hoping that everybody out there is well and that someday soon we'll put this in our global rearview mirror. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit lighthearted and uh, a bit of an escape, but it's actually really good content for the time because we're going to talk about finding your Italian family and some of the tips we've acquired over the years and some of the tips that our new neighborhood members suggested about not only finding your family and doing the genealogical research, but going back to Italy and meeting with them and interacting with them and building lives together. And I don't know about all you guys out there, but for me, being at home, locked up in the house, I'm planning in every possible detail my long-awaited return to Italy. So if you're home and you've got time on your hands that you're looking to kill, this is a great way to jumpstart a project that a lot of people put off because it's time-consuming, but it's well worth it. Finding your family, the research, the records, they're out there, and hopefully this will kickstart you in the right direction. So if you get a little bit of downtime and you feel bored, maybe don't start a new season of your favorite show, but get online and try to gather some resources or call a family member and ask some questions. And speaking of invaluable family records, don't forget today is Monday, March 30th. That means Wednesday is April 1st, which is the deadline for response and registration for the 2020 U.S. Census. So just take a minute, if you can, visit my2020census.gov, and in the line for ethnicity, make sure to write Italian or Italian-American. It's good to be represented. And so stay home, stay safe. We hope you enjoy the episode. And without further ado, let's make our way to the Tower of Italian Power the Italian-American Podcast Studio. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode oh, of... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It ain't my fault! <laughs> I got a defective bottle! It no, ain't my fault! He's never coming back. I'm sorry, what I do? It's my it's fault. Hold on. <laughs> I got a defective spring water bottle. You're going to beat me up. Is it water? First time back in months. Yes, what do you think I got in here? Is it, what is it? It's spring water, sparkly. Oh, I, I thought it was soda. That's no, it. No, I'm sorry. It's like holy water. <laughs> it's it should have been blessed. I, oh, I did. I hope you saw that one. Like a bomb. Welcome now, home, man. Hold on. They're going to beat me up. See, I get abused. <laughs> I just the See, the first one, they all go like three vultures. They go after me. Rose, like, yeah, we're going to get That's a good explosion. All right. Take three. It's like Mount Etna. Take 45. They don't want me here anymore. They don't want me here no more. Go home. Welcome back. So, tornada na Welcome back, everybody. I'm sorry, Anthony. That's good luck. In Slovakia, that means you're going to live to be 100. There's an old Slovakian saying when the bottle of water breaks on you. That means 100 years is going to fall from the sky. That's an old Slovakian saying. Not good. Did you know that, Rahul? I did. <laughs> Why would anybody? Are there, are there Molay's people in Slovakia? No, okay, let's start. How would you say if the bottle explodes on you, 100 years is going to fall? All right, ready? ready. Here we go. Picture this, Sicily, 1912. See that you're born an Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. From the moment you're a small bambino, you eat pizza, you drink vino. Then they make you roly-poly. You get stuffed with ravioli. If your mama's a paisano, you will have the world on a plate. So see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm your moderator, John Viola, and we have a almost complete family here today. I am joined by... Row and Pat, and the founder of the feast himself, Anthony Fasano, is back in the Tower of Italian Power 
to join us uh, for a show that he created. So, Ant, welcome back. Yeah, it's great to be back. I'm loving the studio here. It's my first time recording in the, in the uh, what did you call it, John? Tower of Italian Power. Tower of Italian Power. We want it to be an inspiringly Italian-American place. I think we're getting there. Tickets, are now, tickets are now on sale for the next recording. <laughs> this place is like kind of starting to remind me of like a Nona's basement yeah. with all the knickknacks. Like there's always somewhere to look. It's hoarder-esque. Yeah. It's borderline hoarder-esque. No, the next thing we got to hang Supersats off the ceiling. That's true. Get that real smell. That's. Yeah. I yeah. want to give a commemorative Supersats <laughs> when people come. It's got to smell like that, that store on Arthur Avenue. Yes. With all the stuff hanging. The meat chandelier. Yeah. yeah, we do. We brand a Casa Caval with our, our emblem on it. I would the love Italian it. podcast brand the Casa Caval. I would absolutely love And that'll be your parting that. gift. We'll have a hook. And you get to pick a Casa Caval off the ceiling. We do need a that'd parting gift for guests. We do. We're supposed to give them the t-shirts. I know. Now, who wants a t-shirt when you have a Casa Caval? <laughs> so, would you a take a t-shirt over a Casa Caval? <laughs> I would take a t-shirt over a Casa Caval. I might. It's not my favorite cheese. Yeah, I don't even know why I'm here. I was just, I really was. <laughs> True. I was in the neighborhood and I just stopped in. And all of a sudden, they recorded as a secret <laughs> <laughs> a secret meeting, a secret yeah, society. It's true. Now it's a party. We were a little bit into our recording, and all of a sudden the door opened, and I thought Crack we were... open the duck horn. Yeah, uh, get the old vineyard. wine out. Pat's here. So we got together today for the purpose of what I think is a really interesting topic. And uh, Anthony, you've been obviously going back and forth on this for years now because it's at the root of why the podcast exists. It's at the root of the book that you wrote, and I think the conversation in the new neighborhood tends to celebrate the idea of going back to where your family came from and so you've sort of become the expert on it and you had this idea why don't you tell everybody about it well I mean I think for me when I started the podcast a while ago it was just about talking to my living grandparents and you know lucky to have them around and to be able to learn about the family history which is important and the only way I was going to find it out was to talk to them and so we've talked about that a lot on the podcast and in our new neighborhood group online but, you know, I never really thought about the idea of going back to Italy. I never thought about the idea of that there might still be living relatives there just because I didn't think about that, really. And, you know, I was able to, through the conversations, put two and two together, find some living relatives actually in two locations in Salerno and Sicily, and was able to go back and visit them and spend some time there. And I think it's a real life-changing thing to be able to do that. It gives you a different perspective on kind of where you come from. I mean... You, know, you might say, yeah, I'm Italian-American, or someone asks you, you know, what's your heritage? I'm Italian. But I got to the point where I kept saying that, but I wasn't really totally sure what that meant. Like, you know, I knew I could say my great-grandparents came here, but from where, for what reason, where they come from, I want to see it type of thing. And so I went, and it's really been a life-changing thing, and a lot of people in our new neighborhood have been posted a lot of stories about going back themselves, and, you know, they were on the fence, they ended up doing it, and it's been life-changing, and so I figured, why not? highlight some of the stories and just kind of, you know, put it out there and, and how life changing it can be. And it's not impossible to figure it out, even if you don't have, you know, elders that are around still. Um, it is doable. So don't kind of don't give up that easy and you know, it can be a big change, game changer. Yeah, I was thinking about that as we were prepping to come in here. Like we are living through a time where the digitization of records, DNA, genealogy, the abundance of amateur genealogy, everything from as an entertainment on television to what you can do on your own. There's never been a better time to go out and with, frankly, very little resources required other than patience and hard work and diligence, you really can access a lot. And these are mysteries that many of us whose families have been here for multiple generations boiled down to like, okay, my family came from Naples. I mean, I have so many people who say, oh, where are you from? Naples. And yeah, maybe as the port of exit, but if that many people were living in Naples at any one time, it would have been the most populous city on the planet. I mean, you know, there's a village somewhere that your story starts, and people can find them now. But I think part of that was there was this concept of an upgrade, that America was an upgrade. Big time. So why, why who cares where Grandpa was from? Grandpa was illiterate, and, you know, Grandpa spoke broken English. I think there was a lot of condescension. So it doesn't really matter where Grandpa's from because Grandpa has a lot of these uh, odd customs. And then Grandpa died, and now we realize that Grandpa's garden meant something. Yeah. And the fact that he got dressed up on a Sunday to go to Mass meant something. I, I think it gave value. We went from having an upgrade to 
detecting a loss. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was a matter of an upgrade. I just think that that generation was busy yeah, <laughs> working true, hard. You know, do you know what a luxury it is to like even be able to sit and think about these things no, no. in retrospect? Bro, about- this is where I think your immigration years make a difference because when your family came post-war, there was a stronger sense of pride in Italy and Italians and in their kids. I'm, I'm talking about the crowd that came, I'd say, 1890 to 19, right before the evil World War I. Their kids, who, who, who today, they're almost, they're all gone. They would yeah. have been your grandmother's age. They were the ones that had the feeling of, you know, Pop came from a starving country and Yeah, like upgraded. they didn't want to look back. No. Yeah, and I think, but I think your, crowd, your group that came had a very different immigrant experience than the ones that came My earlier. My group had the mentality of coming to America, working the land for whatever it was worth, and, and, going and buying property and going back. Right. They were going to use American money to live well in Italy. That was all they wanted to do. So my grandfather came in 1917, and my grandmother, who's like in her 90s now, is like we were speaking about. Like she's, I mean, she's still here, but a lot of those. Why do you, why do you want to go back to Italy? I-T-L-Y. No, I, went, I did want to go back because she. No, not you, but I'm saying like you've, you're taking like you're the great grandchild of immigrants. Right. Did you know your great grandparents? I was very young when I met them. Like right, so you don't. It's old. not like you had a living memory, and you know. No. So you're trying to pick up because, I think the World War II generation, didn't quite get why someone would want to go back there. Right. Like why? Do, why do you care? Like, oh, Pop left the town with no water and no, t- you know. And I think that the Italian Americans had a, the ones who came during the Great Migration had an impression of an Italy of no running water and no electricity and washing in the public fountain. So I think that that had a, a part of it. But I think there's another thing that we don't discuss. And I think, John, you could jump in on this, is that after unification, borders changed and the fact that new provinces were created. Yeah. So now people say they're from Salerno. The province of Salerno only kind of came on the scene by the late 1880s. Yeah. Some people came from, when they landed in America, they came from a province that didn't exist 10 years yeah, later. it's true. So I think that was part of it. Names of towns changed. Yep. There's always been a mythology that records are hard to find in Italy, and the bottom line is they're not. In many cases, the churches have fantastic records, and they go back really, really far. It's just, you know, a lot of these things aren't digitized. Well, I'll tell you a story about my grandma, because she used to tell me her father came here, so she was never in the town in Italy. She was born here, and he told her stories about his parents, who she never met. But one day, he got a, a black envelope in the mail. Basically oh, saying that both of her grandparents were killed in the Battle of Salerno, 1943. Oh, my Got God. Got bombed, like, you know, the house, the, wow. the neighborhood. My grandmother talked oh, about yeah, those. Yeah. yeah, she she remembers it to this day, my grandmother. So she told me the story many times. So when I went back there to Sarno, I went to the Comune, and I said, I believe my great-great-grandparents, here's their names, were killed in 1943. So they took out the 1943 book. And sure enough, they found wow. my great-great, one of them, I think it was my great-great-grandfather's death certificate, which ended up having all kinds of information on yeah. it. Occupation, address, and then I was able to walk through. So the point is, is like little tips like that, Yeah, it was interesting. And so she was thrilled to get that piece of paper. You want to hear something about those death letters? My grandmother remembers her grandfather dying, and the letter came with the black crepe. Yes. So for those of you out there who don't know, it was like a white 8 by you know, your standard letter, whatever it is, 8 by 10, 8 and a half by 11. And it had a black, a thick black, almost like a framed border that went around it. And that's how news came from Italy that someone died. Right. So you would get the letter in the mail, and you'd know, oh, my God, somebody died. I mean, can you imagine how horrible that is, the, the, the mailman? And she's told and me that story a million times. Now, can yeah. you imagine for people who couldn't read? Yeah. You got a letter that someone died, you don't know who it is. Right. The fact that this little instance... Uh, a tragic one at that could be the first breadcrumb in a trail to get you back somewhere. And you, right. generations later, follow this back. I mean, I would like to talk a little about your first experience, Ant. And obviously, you know, you and I are so different, right? You're an engineer. I think of myself as kind of an artist. And you built a system to go back. You right. you made steps and you had it's organized and it's a book and which is very engineering I think right it was comfortable to me <laughs> right? you built a model and it, and so tell us about your model yeah I mean basically like the reason I wrote the book was because I think there's a misnomer out there that you have to have all kinds of geologists and genealogists to be able to figure out where you're from you got to get all the the premium memberships of all the DNA to, and do all the DNA 
and for me, I didn't do any of that. It was like simple conversations with people, finding some old photos, the conversations like I just told you with the 1943. I'm like one of my grandmother's sisters who said I visited the family in Italy 15 years ago. Like, this is the area. I stayed in this hotel type of thing. And, you know, putting a lot of that stuff together and piecing it together and you doing some online research. Facebook, helpful. Crazy. And just kind of putting all those things together, I was able to get in contact with people. I was able to confirm that they were family because they did have pictures from my grandma's sister went there. Wow. And all that kind of led me to putting it together, then then realizing, okay, I'm talking with them on Facebook. They can't talk English. Learn Italian. Took lessons. Did that. You know, booked a trip. And then ended up going back and, and meeting with them and stuff like that. And then once you're there, and I had all the, the breadcrumbs from here, then I was able to go to the... Comune and get more documentation, and then the Comune. Went, for those who don't know, the Comune is like the city hall, right? Yeah, the American yeah. Comune, yeah. right? And so I went in there, and, and I, like I said before, if you know the, I guess called the village, what they call it the village, yeah, Comune, the Comune, the Comune. Yeah. If you know the Comune where your family's from, and you know the birth year or the death year of someone that was there, that's how they have the books from where I went to, the few places I went to. And they take out that book and they look up the name and they can give you the birth certificate. They can find you information. And from there, you can start to go in a lot of different directions. But again, the, my point in doing it was I wasn't an expert yeah, and I was able to do it, which means that a lot of people out there that sit there think like I can never figure this out probably can. Yeah. And then we get so many people that say that they're like, yeah, oh, it's a big mystery to me. And I usually send them to Pat because he's great at this stuff and uh, he can trace many, many difficult leads. But the truth is, it's, it's again, just like the idea that there's not records in Italy. It's a, it's a mythology that we've worked into our social experience here. And if nothing else, the point of even being together today is to just burst that bubble and say, no, no, you really can do this. And it's not hard, and it's transformative in, in your Italianness and in your life. Yeah, I mean, I would say that even if you were able to find out one place that you were from, one of the origin uh, villages there, and you went back, and you didn't f- even know anyone there. It yeah. would just be a cool experience, right? Like, when I went back to Sarno, I know that my uh, grandma always makes around Easter, like, the pasta pies. You know, people call them different things. But she's like, my mom taught me how to make this. And when I went to Sarno, I saw it in the window of one of the places there, wow. and I had it, and it was, like, tasted exactly the same. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, you that see... Is, wow. that, if that isn't the goo that holds us together... Completely. <laughs> yeah. That's the... But I, but I, I could have went there without knowing anyone. I, you know, I didn't have to find anything. I could have just the, had that. Yes, the real, true. The real, <laughs> time, true. the real time moment would be calling your up and saying, it was good, but yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, be I the, did. <laughs> you have to. How do you make this pie? Can we one day get the restaurant Easter? <laughs> That's all pack airs right now. <laughs> That's right. We're never locked on the recipe. Dun, 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 dun. She's giving me the recipe. I'm expected to. Is it, is, it, is it a savory pie or a sweet pie with the spaghetti? With the macaroni? It's savory. Is it with black pepper? Like yeah. we got the black pepper and yeah. that is part of Salerno, does yeah, that? I love that. Can we have Captain my captain? Can <laughs> we have a recipe section around Easter? Yeah, we really should. We should be having recipes more often. I mean everybody. We could have all our Easter pies. I don't want to talk to you about Easter pies. You last week you really upset me with your assertion that my Pastieta was actually Sicilian and masquerade. Is, I'm sorry, it's Sicilian. Not doing I stand it. by that. No, I'm not doing own, it. Own 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 your Sicilianness. Own it. <laughs> it's funny. Talk about Easter pies and the traditions you get from one side of the family and others. For, for those of us, I mean, you know, Rose family all comes from one town. And it was recently revealed to us that one neighboring town as well. But for those of us oh who... God. <laughs> it all comes oh, out of the closet. But for those of us, I mean, Anthony, you know, you're... You're like, not as Malays <laughs> as you say you are. Not 100%. But, you know, Anthony, you've got Sicilian and Salernitana. I, I have those as well. And I have some Bares. And it was later in my life that I actually realized that I had Basilicata in my roots. And, you know, we knew my grandfather's family in Italy, the Viola family, and they would come over once in a while, and we'd go over there. My dad and I went there. My grandfather was born in the town next to my grandmother's, and I just assumed that, you know, and for all eternity that was the way it went. So we never really traced the records of my grandfather's father. When we started to, it was a little bit difficult, and it was when we found his military records from the First World War that we realized he was born in Basilicata. And it wasn't until I was... It's only a couple of years ago when I was at NIAF that I was invited by the mayor of the town, Latronico, to go there for the first time. And I went, Pat was with me. We went and got to see this town and meet these people. Can I it. let another secret out? Because I'm the holder of the secrets. Yeah. John comes from a long line of Tadal makers. <laughs> That's true. I have cousins <laughs> that I didn't know who make Tadal. It was the cleanest. <laughs> it was a beautiful factory. I don't, for those of you who don't know John or his, or his family, you could eat off the, 
the floor of their bathroom <laughs> cleaner than an operating room. It's the clean, they're the cleanest people that have ever existed. And we go into this Daral factory, and it's the cleanest. It was like whitewashed. It was amazing, it was like, yeah. It looked like a hospital surgery. And I said, they're your people, John. It was I mean, unbelievable. It's, it's obvious. In Basilicata, in a town called Latronico, which, you know, again, I always thought my grandfather's beautiful whole family. Beautiful town. Beautiful town. Great town and such nice people. And they, you know, took me to the Comune and brought out the record books and took me to the house my great-grandfather was born in where his father and beyond and beyond and beyond had come from. And, you know, this was the end of my term at NIAF and a, a, a community and a history that I'd spent pretty much all my adult life working in and around. And here I was able to have that discovery, right. even that late in the game. And I was like, wow, this is really something special. It's really, never really. too late. No, it's never too late, you know. Yeah. So you keep going back, and we have this it's another myth that people never left their villages. and some. That's the biggest thing that's come out of all of this. Yeah, people Because we around. never realized. I told you, I found out that on my grandfather's side, my grandfather's grandmother was from a neighboring town, and her grandfather was from another town. Yeah. And it never occurred to me, you know, like people, people moved. People didn't stay in the same place forever. What was the first time you went back to your ancestral towns? Nineteen, I don't remember. Many moons ago. How, what? Thing. How did you? Because your family's been here forever. Um, how did you find the relatives? I found. Uh, I can't tell that. Honestly. No, they thought I came for a house. It was a big war. <laughs> it was a. They thought I came to get the house back. That my that happens all the time. They didn't want me there, and the guy told me they don't want you here. They want to get, and they're asking around. They're afraid. He's a lawyer. Don't let him. They showed up. They showed up at the restaurant and said, um, "There was suspicions of you." Yeah, we got to bury this story. This guy got in. Why are you sweating so much? He meant maybe he was going. The house was worth. The house was worth. They sold the house in 1996 for 800,000. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. Kind of people you came from, yeah. you saw. Yeah, it's a beautiful town. Uh-huh. That is not. The <laughs> I got, property. I got, a, I got a little bit of bling on that. That side. is not the property value in Molody uh, Body. That's yeah, because we had a house that looked over the Gulf of Salerno and the Gulf of Sorrento. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's a long, complicated story. How about you, Aunt? What What was your reaction from the family that you met the first time? So the reaction, they were very excited to meet us. Um, I remember the first night we got there in Salerno. They have a farm up in the mountains, and they said, you know, we're going to come pick you up. We'll have dinner at our farm tonight, you know. Meanwhile, you know, it's 6.30, 7 o'clock. I got three young kids. I'm thinking, tonight? You know, what's, that, what's tonight? <laughs> Welcome to Italian so time. So dinner time was an hour ago. <laughs> right, right. So they said, no. They said, give me the address. I'll come. They're like, oh, no, no, we got to come get you. you know? <laughs> of course. So they come to our hotel. There's five of us there. The two of them are there in this little Fiat. So I'm telling them, all right, you know, we'll follow you. They're like, no, 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 no. Get in. Get in. The Italian clown car. So, you know, now there's seven of us in the Fiat, and we went up to the house. We had a great dinner. We had a great time, and we connected with them. They were great. And then when we got to Sicily, when we got to Sicily, we actually landed in Catania, and we were going to Agrigento for like a week, and then we are going to come back and spend time with the family, um, which is in Syracuse. But the whole family came to Catania Airport just to greet us. And they spent the whole day with us there. They got a nice restaurant they found for us. We had a great meal. And, like, everyone was amazing. It's pretty incredible when you think about, like, they had a sign. (laughs) And you had had prearranged with them. Yeah, we told them, like, when we were coming. But we figured we're flying to Catania. We'll see you a week later. How did your kids feel the first time they went to Italy? I think that they were a little nervous just to travel because we hadn't traveled with them like that. Um, But, you know, I think they were kind of interested not sure what to expect, but I think for the same reason I wanted to go is, you know, at school, too, they're saying, like, I'm Italian. Like, I don't know what, like, my parents tell me I'm Italian. Now, they have a full understanding of where they've actually come from. You know, they've seen the farms, they've been there, they met the family, they've heard a lot of the language. So, I mean, they were nervous for sure, just because it was a long trip for them and they were, didn't know what they were going to. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to Disney World next right. week. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to Southern No way you yeah, can explain that. Cry. <laughs> what, did they, what did they remark on that was, like, different for them? Um, you know, they liked the... Because they both were on farms, they liked kind of that freedom, which was running around with animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, they couldn't care less that they couldn't talk to the people. Yeah. You know, and the, and the, the relatives there, they were saying, come, you know, 
play with the animals. Yeah. So it was like communication. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they were like in their glory there. What do you mean? No structure, running around with animals, eating food that's all fresh, everything. You know, it was like a kind of like just a big vacation. So I think that that's part of what they liked the most was just seeing the farm, seeing them working it, knowing that that's like a real thing. Yeah, farms, that's true. Like, you know, based on from where we live. Oh, it's like, I remember going to my grandmother's hometown and meeting some of my Sunny Donna family and I got to go, I was younger and I got to go to their plot of land and like, it was not, yeah, it was probably the 90s. And seeing old women in all black with religious medals pinned, tilling dirt, and I thought to myself, holy mackerel, like, even as a kid, I realized this was like something straight out of a movie almost. And right. here it was, still going on. You, right. you just don't have that perception because you think of Italy and what you see in the popular media and far too often it's not down south on a farm you know what I mean you're yeah. not you're not getting access to that so it's a it's a real awakening of uh, of what yeah and what the roots were in our situation everyone has different situations in our situations that they hadn't really ever met anyone from the US yeah in the family so it was kind of like a big deal for them. Mm. You know, like they're bringing us over to their neighbors. Ah. Like, you know, sh- like <laughs> showing us off kind of type of thing because they're like, wow, we had family there. You the know? American cousins. Americans. Yeah, so that was also an interesting part, which I think the kids got into a little bit. You know what someone said to me in Italy? They don't know why you would bother coming back here. Yeah, I because get that. Because you that. made money in America. You, you did better. Why would you care about here? So I think that kind of the value... Wanting to go the back. blood memory, right? Having a, a memory of this place, going back, and saying, you know, I know, I recognize this macaroni pie. My grandmother makes the same one. It gives value to who they are, right? People would ask me that all the time because I would go to Molotti Body every year, and they would be like, "Why would you come back here every year? Why do you choose? Like, you could go anywhere. Right. You're American. You could go. <laughs> don't you want to go to Florida? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I like it here. Yeah, there's something about. Like Anthony says, tasting familiar foods or like I remember my grandmother who's Bade's, her family comes from Palo del Cole and she'd never gone back. Her brother had gone back when he was in the Navy. Her father had communicated with his family there. But my grandmother only knew when my great grandfather died in his 90s, the town and the church where he was baptized. But we went back to this town and we were like, OK, we're just going to go. And of course, the commune was closed and. The church, the priest was asleep, and I'm like, you know, here's my grandmother dying to see her family. And we basically, in my Italian, my wife's Italian, we met a lady who spoke a Bares dialect, and uh, she got us to a guy who does work in the commune when it's open, and he opens it up, and da, da, da. And we found the house with my great-grandfather's initials still over the door. Oh. And uh, a couple blocks away was her family, and uh, this old lady in her 90s, Nanina, came to the door, and... She basically took us in, called her brother. He came over, and within 15 minutes, she was pulling out photos that my grandmother Aww. didn't have of her parents' wedding, of uh, her wedding that she didn't that have. That has happened to me. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, I don't think we even realize how much the prior generations might have been in touch with these people, and they sort of knew about our family. And I thought so that was, like, the most incredible thing, to, to think that there was this unspoken familiarity that just had to be revived and then there it was and what would that what does that translate to today like that's an experience that will like never happen again like in 20 or 30 40 years my kids are gonna go to and like there are no pictures of my wedding no one has a picture a physical picture no No, we don't have physical i don't have a physical picture of my wedding because but they know you that's even better no, but she's saying if like, they don't no know you. Like, there's no lady that's going to pull out an album. No, not going to happen. Pictures of me. I think it'll be easier now because Facebook and Insta- uh, social media is making this a million times easier. Everybody has, I would imagine, some access to some form of information. Right. Be it a family member, a cousin. I mean, th- you talk about Facebook and being able to pre-relate to the people that are your parenti, as they would say, your relatives in Italy. And, you know, don't forget, Facebook's also a phenomenal tool for the families that are here. I mean, my grandmother's side, and my grandmother's a great record keeper, and I'm a pretty good record keeper, but uh, I got an invitation to a Facebook group for part of her family, this uh, Mincielli family Facebook group. And I thought to myself, holy mackerel, the fact that you can do that uh, on this great platform and right. have cousins that, you know, I've heard about and some of whom I've met, others I've never met. And right. just exchanging photos and, and leads and stories and, you know, stories lead to fact and fact leads to the records. And there's so many avenues you can go now. 
Yeah, there's really no reason to say I have no way of finding out. No, absolutely not. <laughs> that just no, I think I, I'll, I'll be honest. With you. I do think though, because I've helped a lot of people with this. Sometimes they really know nothing. Yeah, like you had a pipeline, right? Yeah, you had oh, yeah. I had my stuff. grandparents a lot. There's people who say like, um, well, "What were your grandparents' names?" I have to ask my father. Like I, I you know, right. and then they're like, you know, like Giovanni Rossi. Where did he go? Uh, I don't know. When did he come? I don't know. Well, you can go on Ellis Island Records and there's three bazillion Giovanni Rossi's. What was his parents' names? I don't know. Where, where, where were they from in Italy? Well, they were from Italy. They were. T- you need something. I really feel that the barriers to entry for this are lower than they've ever been. Like They are 100% can... lower than they've ever been. You are 100% yeah, yeah. correct U.S. Census records. Correct. In my opinion, for helping a lot of people with this, the number one resource is the World War One draft cards. Yeah. Because what happened I was... I both my great-grandfathers. I found them. Yeah, because I've studied this. 1917, when they had the World War One draft cards, I think anyone born after 1874 had to register for the draft. They weren't drafted, they had to register for the draft. The Italians, now it depends on where you were. Some parts of the country, they just put down where they're from in Italy. But a lot of cards, I would say the majority, have very detailed. So they'll name the town. Yeah. yeah. I have found them to be the most accurate. World War Two. I have never seen a town mentioned. Yeah. They'll just say, where are they from? Italy. I Boom. agree. But I'll tell you another key. If you're from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and your great-grandfather's name was Kono, that's a dead ringer. Yeah. Because Williamsburg, Brooklyn, had a huge community of people from Tejano, Naval di Diano, and their patron saint San Kono, and all those families, there was a Kono somewhere. There's hints. Like, if you're Sicilian, if Hoboken only has 90% of the Sicilians in Hoboken from Patti in the province of Messina. So if you're Sicilian from Hoboken, it's more likely than not you're from Patti and Messina. Right. That stuff can help. Like I said, I agree 100%. The threshold is lower than it's ever been. And you, you need something. And I'll tell I'll just one thing. I've told a lot of people this. DNA testing helps because if you find people on there who are connected on your Italian side, you just got to keep asking where's your family from. Yeah. And you can be able to reconstruct it that way. And think about, like, you know, I know people who have done, yeah, right, look, LexisNexis and all these different databases, library databases. If you know the area of America that your family moved to, look up mutual aid society or societa, these kind of buzzwords, because you'll find most towns that had a decent-sized population founded a little club. You know, you're talking about Tijano, Pat. Pat and I, as a favorite of my dad... Um, that was, He gave a favor to us. He sure did. That was a great trip. That was a fantastic trip. My dad... T- May I interject for a moment? Yeah. Because most men, you know, they're scrolling, they're looking at pornography or something. Look at the pornography that our Patrick is looking at. <laughs> As we're talking, Pat's scrolling his phone looking at pastiera. Just pastiera images, porn. too. <laughs> pastiera porn. What? And he looks oh, yeah. like, he, <laughs> he looks, looks look know. at his face. I think I deserve a little bit of privacy. <laughs> <laughs> You need to be excused. <laughs> no. You want to No, you know you why? No. You know why? You're I'm, looking at it with such longing. <laughs> no, because I'm trying to figure out why mine doesn't get brown on top. Of it. <laughs> I think I cracked the code. Wow. Oh, God. He's looking at it like, that's a good Pat, who, who, who is uh, the expert in They Pastieta. think we make this up. No, we it's don't. Real. It's real. This is, I'm sick. This is why people want this <laughs> thing filmed. I'm all into us putting up Easter recipes. I'm multitasking. Yeah, you're multitasking. I don't yeah. want people to think that this sicko is really... And he, I mean, I do need help, but I'm not that far down. <laughs> you're not just lusting after Bastia. I want to tweak my Bastia a little bit. That's all. All right. Grow out and make me. <laughs> I mean... <sighs> Back to draft cards. No, I just wanted to say about the draft cards that I thought was the coolest thing was seeing them. They were filled out by them. Yeah. That's in their so handwriting. True. That's which amazing. I thought was like really awesome. And they had great handwriting. They were pretty neat, yeah. Well, that curvy and... I mean, I was yeah. able to read it really well. And, you know, and also, like, being able to show that to my grandmother. Yeah, that's was incredible, really, isn't it? It was really a, a cool thing. So you can find stuff out there. We do have some stories that we're going to share today from our group, The New Neighborhood. We put something out there just mentioning we're going to do this episode, and we asked for some stories or questions from some of our members. We wanted to share some of them with you here because they kind of, like, build on what we were saying. In this first one, I'm just going to read... It was from Julia. She said, I just visited my grandfather's parents' towns for the first time in October. His family all came over, and he had no relatives left in his parents' comune. My grandmother's parents were the only ones who came here, so her whole family is still in Italy, and I visited them many times. We have a good relationship with many of them, and there are a lot of them. Again, everyone has different situations. Um, visiting my grandmother's side of the family is always amazing because I get immersed in this gigantic family and get to hear stories of my grandparents and great-grandparents that I wouldn't otherwise hear. 
It doesn't hurt that I get to speak Italian because only one or two speak English. Also, the food doesn't hurt. <laughs> I was in love with my grandfather's home comune, Maraneo and Chimina, both in Palermo. They were in Garfield. They had a huge population really? in Garfield, New Jersey, and they had a big population in the Bronx. Matter of fact, um, Marineo's patron is San Chiro. They still celebrate that in Garfield. Really? Is that girl from Jersey? I don't know. We'll have to ask her. Probably. It's going to be a Jersey thing. <laughs> My first time in Italy, I was a teenager, and I felt like I belonged as soon as I stepped off the plane. I've talked to a lot of people that had that feeling. My, my family is Sicilian, and there's an indescribable feeling when I step foot onto the island. It feels like home, as though I've returned to a piece that is missing from when I'm here. That doesn't answer your question. I know. I think for planning trips to home villages, some of the hurdles are learning the actual town ancestors are from. Most people know the closest city, but not that their families are actually from nearby towns. The logistics behind getting to small villages, for example, driving or hiring a driver, places to stay near the village. Many small villages don't have large or any accommodations. And last language, I think people can get around and such, but sometimes it's helpful to speak or have an Italian speaker on hand. In my experience, everyone spoke Italian, so I didn't find it necessary to know the regional language, in my case Sicilian, but knowing Italian is very helpful in connecting more. So there's kind of a lot there. But Can I jump in a second yeah, with yeah. that? I think the regional language, if you speak a little bit of that, you go from being an outsider to an insider. I agree, yeah. Because now that's the street cred that you're part of that. That's true. Super local I've tribe. experienced that. Yeah. I think Julia, by the way, said regional language instead of dialect because yes. she listened to you that's on why. the podcast. She, she highlighted it, which makes me really happy. That, <laughs> mission make accomplished. It, now, make it, you know what, Julia? You have to learn Sicilian. I'm going to bring you on. We're going to do a podcast in Sicilian. Talk about Sicilian Bas Theater. Neapolitan Bas Theater puts on a Sicilian costume. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's interesting that Julia asks about logistics because, you know, one of the things that we were kind of toying with when I was leaving NIAF was this partnership or potential partnership with some of the genealogical services and Airbnb because Airbnb is a revolutionary tool for this because there are many, many small towns that you wouldn't imagine that have people who have listed their homes or apartments or extra homes, whatever it is, on the service. And, you know, nine out of ten times, they'll know somebody that might be related to you if they're there. And, right. that, you know, that to me, y- you have the beauty of like a, a host family with a very well-organized and efficiently run relationship like Airbnb. So uh, I guess a, a free endorsement for the service because if nothing else, there are homes in most of these towns and you kind of get a, at least a shot at somebody who can be a, a guide or an interested party just in the person that's renting you their, their oh, place. Oh, I, I imagine if you rent an Airbnb from someone in Italy who's not like a professional airbnb mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like they'll just be like a disease. You can't get rid of those. <laughs> so you will be like a gonna family want, member. They'll be like, oh, do you know where to eat? Oh, yeah. I'll show you. And then they're going to come out to eat with <laughs> and you. And tell then, them I and sent then, you. And then you got to pay for them if they come with you. <laughs> the Italian they way. like will attach themselves to you. They'll be the Italian family you never knew you didn't want and never <laughs> knew you wanted or whatever. That's but true. I don't know. Listening to this is all very interesting because I see it from such a different perspective because I always had a home and I always knew exactly where it was and we went and whatever. So it's like going back to Mola Di Bari is like going to a party where everyone knows who you are and also no one wants to talk to you. Your old news. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like they're not excited. Yeah. That we come anymore. I know. It's kind of, once you have that experience. I love going to Mola, and then at a certain point, at like the three-week mark, I'm there too long, and I like, you know, someone offends me when I go and buy fruit, and then I'm like, I'm How does someone offend you in Mola? Like, the fruit vendor guy will just say something like, oh, you know, we thought you were never going to get married. Just telling you. <laughs> that guy married you? No, but all right, but I think, all right, we were I got to defend bets. that. It's insulting, but it's also indicative of the fact that you're one of them. If you could imagine an entire southern Italian village of Woody Allens. That's Mola Di Bari. It is. It's the t-shirt. Can we go to Mola one day for a, a, a I hope, school trip? I hope you do come. School trip. Well, if you're a Mole's out there looking for your roots, Rose, not if the person to call if you want to be encouraged. You know but no, no, she may I, know no, who no, you need you to get go. to. You're you should go. We should all go. You know clap your hands. We should all if go. If you go to Mola, what's the number one dish? Raw octopus? You guys love that. The raw, the raw fish, yeah. We'll decide to book it up, and that's no, that's it's not. Raw. We don't eat bro- broccoli rub is not in season all year long, Patrick. I'm in the sorry. summer, we eat uh, chicory with fava beans. Mm. I'm sorry, that's what I want. Anyway, moving on. All right, moving me, on. I'm going to read a few more of these, John. <laughs> Dolores Delor- Delor- got to come back. The Neapolitans are getting out numbers here. <laughs> the uh, Sharon in our group, the new neighborhood, had a, an interesting comment. My plan is to go this summer, 2020, 
to Modica, Sicily. Modica. Modica. Ragusa, she put in parentheses. And I'm currently reading your book, Anthony. I'm concerned about finding living relatives and being well-received. Some of the earliest dabbling around doing Google searches a few years ago with just one of my surnames, which I won't mention, plus Sicily, brought us to an Italian criminal and leading figure of the Sicilian Mafia. Ugh, not what I was hoping. Family is family. (laughs) Thankfully, he was from a different area, but still, it is a concern. What's going to happen is someone in the town is going to care, and they're going to become the head of the welcome committee. And they're going to say, oh, I know who you are. Your great-grandfather was the son of the guy who used to walk with a limp, and his daughter, ba ba ba. And there's going to be one, every town in Italy has like a historian. That's true. Right. And he's the guy that they're going to say, oh, you got to ask Giovanni. Got, you're going to come and say, I'm trying to find my family. Oh, ask Giovanni. Somebody got Giovanni. Someone's going to run. That's true. Giovanni's going to come down. He's going to be professorial. He's going to come down. He's going to say, oh, your family, you come from this branch of the Russo family, and they lived on that hill. And like I said, you know, your, your great-great-grandfather walked with a limp, and he had a daughter whose earlobes didn't match, and she married a farmer, and they had a, you know, that's that's Italy, and he's gonna, he's going to be in charge of the welcome wagon. Yeah, I, that's I mean, the, I, I think that's the of all your problems in Italy. Now, if you're from a big city, if you're from someplace like, like Malfet of a hundred thousand people, or Torre del Greco, a hundred thousand people, that could be problematic because you don't have the historian. Right. Cesar Cilento has Antonio Migliorino. There's two hundred people <laughs> in the town. Antonio Migliorino is the town historian. He could tell you, oh, that rock was carved for that house in 1847. He knows everything. So every town in Italy has an Antonio Migliorino. you just got to find your Antonio Migliorino. Yeah, no, I I found someone in Sarno like that that knew, even said that I resembled one of the relatives that was there, and we made a connection. Um, So, yeah, I agree. you got to find that person. You can find that person. Another short one that we had from Dino, which was funny, my cousin who has never been to the USA came to stay with me in Miami Beach, a cousin I never met until two years ago in Palermo. He brought all kinds of food and art of Italy and little gifts that we can not find here, and we sent him home with a packed suitcase filled with American stuff. We have developed a little Miami Beach slash Palermo trade route. <laughs> it is true. People love bringing stuff home from America, and we love taking stuff home from there. Yeah. Um, this is actually a real good story here from Christopher. Last May, we took a trip to the town Tremonti where my father's family came from. My overall experience when meeting people was at first standoffish because we were foreigners, but as soon as I told them my family was from Tremonti, they brightened up and were very welcoming and happy that we came home. Our hosts were extremely generous and let me borrow several books about the town history where I was able to trace my family lines back to the 1600s. This particular story I would like to share. I made contact with a woman earlier in the year who we figured out are known as our first cousins. Hers was 98 and mine was 99 years old. Unfortunately, her Nona passed away two weeks before our trip, and we did not get to meet her. We met her and her father at a local spot, had some espresso, while discussing the relationships in my families, and then went on a whirlwind tour around town while they took us to meet several relatives and inquire about others. They invited us to their home for dinner, where we exchanged information about the family, especially for me learning details about my great-great-grandfather, where I was given a recording of her Nona speaking in Napolitano, talking about when my great-grandfather came home to visit. I showed them a photo I had of our great-great-grandparents, which they had never seen. It was a beautiful moment that we were able to fill in pieces of our family's history together. I was able to make numerous connections of names, places, and traditions, which correspond to things around my home in America. So I thought that was a great story. Oh, it's fantastic. That's like, you can only get that going to the towns. You know, you can go to Italy, like you said, and go to Rome or Florence or even Naples and Palermo and, you know, see wonderful stuff and feel a part of it. You you do feel a part of it because it, it's in you. It's in your blood memory and it is still Italian culture. But when you get to that town and you could fill in pieces and fill in for others, I mean, you, don't forget, you're a resource for these people too because whole branches have gone to all these different we, places. We know better history than they do. In some cases. I mean, uh, on both sides. On both my Irish side and my Italian side. Well, you're a historian though. I sure, mean, but I'm saying like, a lot of people think they're going to go back there and they're going to knock on the door and someone's going to have a huge book and there's the family tree. And I have people... On both sides, on the other side of the ocean, asking me, and, I, and that's not a compliment to me. It's just saying that we here have better resources and we have more interest. Yeah, because a lot of people overseas have never. If you're not confronted, we're thinking where you're from. So a lot of people have never taken that step. Matter of fact, you know, we have a friend, John and I, Michele Cartuscello, who's in Padula, who has Museo del Cognome, a fantastic resource. Yeah, that's true. If you want to research your history in Italy, and one of the girls on his staff said she had no interest in her genealogy. He hired her to translate for Americans who came. And she got this tremendous interest in her own history. 
because translating for him for all these Americans, she started to ask, well, I, I live here. I live in Padula. What's my background? So she became interested in her own genealogy because she was inspired by the Americans who came back. You know, you talk about these resources and, like, knowing McKelly, meeting McKelly was a great gift to me because I've done a lot of this research, but he actually took me back to some relatives that had fought in the Bourbon Army during the Risorgimento, and he knew stuff I was interested in. And, like, even if you've dedicated your life to this, you could still learn a lot. Before we share a couple of stories and head back on home, Pat, you are constantly doing this, and you've taught me a lot about resources. So you mentioned the Museo del Cognome, which is the museum of the surnames. Any other resources that you find really great that you could maybe list for us? The World War One registration card. What about the one, uh, the Italian archive that you use a lot? What's happening in Italy is that um, the province of Salerno um, did a fantastic job of putting almost all their records online back to 1806 because before 1806, all the records were church records. So when Murat comes around during the Napoleonic invasion and the Comune system is set up, feudalism is killed off during the, during the French occupation of the two Sicilies, what kind of starts with them is the civil civil recording of records. So from 1809 on, and, and you have holes in towns here or there, fire happened, you know, there was a lot of chaos during quote-unquote unification. But basically, they from 1809 right up to the present, they have fantastic records. And a lots of parts of Salerno have them online now. Now, the church records are a different story because the diocese have not put them online. Now, matter of fact, when... Um, the Mormons yeah. came to Salerno in the 70s. Um, and the Mormons kind of have, it's like an apostolate of theirs to, to, because of their theology on the baptism of the dead to record the ancestral records of people from Salerno. And once and the churches in Salerno were opening up their doors to allow them to come in and, and copy all their records until they got wind of what was going on and they didn't know if it was a proselytization or... So they, they kind of clamped down and said, we're not, we don't know who you are. You're strange Americans. We don't, we're not into this. So the civil records were much more accessible to American researchers than the church records are. The problem is with the church records also is that in Italy, after so many years, the parishes sent their registries to the diocesan archive. So now you might be in um, your hometown, and they'll say, well, we have some church records, but the real old ones are in the archive. Mm. That's I think the, if you have the funds, you're better off hiring someone. Sure. Because they'll save so much time. In the long run, you're gonna, you're gonna, it'll be cheaper. The fact is it's... Well, it's Italy. Because I just take it this way. Italy is a country that's built on personal relationships. So if Giovanni is a researcher in Salerno, and he gets you in your hometown back to 1809, and something, even probably, if, if remember, if you die in 1809... It can probably get you back to like the 1720s, right? So Giovanni gets you all the way back to that time. And the church records of the diocese, a lot of them go back to the 15, around the time of the Council of Trent, the 1560s. Um, he probably knows the guy who's in charge of the archive in the diocese. And either the guy likes him or doesn't like him or will do a favor for him. Not, but he's going to know the lay of the land because it's Italy. Yeah. It's all built on personal relationships. And I think that, you know, you got to ask a lot of questions. you got to write to the comune, write to the parish, write the to whatever you find out. The records of the south of Italy are so detailed. And rich, yeah. Because Bourbon, Bur- and I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know what the Papal States records were like. I don't know, you know, the Duchy of Tuscany and everyone else. I don't know what their records were like. But the Bourbons kept such detailed records. Yeah, and that's the beauty. And I they're mean, poetic. You know, at this hour stood before me such yeah, and true. such. Yeah. was declared that a female child was That's born true. of such and yeah. such at this hour, at this time, in this place. And they witnessed with their own eyes such the birth of such, you know. Yeah. And it's moving. I found, for a friend of mine, for the Vitalis, for, for Ralph and Joey, I found that their, Ralph's grandfather, at his birth, my great-great-grandfather was the witness in the comune. Wow, that's why. So he went to the, because they were neighbors, wow. and he goes to the comune, and states, because you had, it was almost like a ceremony. You, had, you yeah. had to send two male neighbors to state in front of the mayor that this child was born and we were witnesses to it. That's why and so many people had their birthday like the next day yes, that's recorded. True. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it depended on when you wanted to get down to town hall. That was like not a big deal for no. Italian people. Like my mom's birthday is misprinted. My grandfather's too. We celebrated a day late. Yeah. Just 
You know, we're like, ah, vabba. <laughs> it was funny because I was looking up Ralph's records online. Now, Ralph was born and raised in the room. Came here at 17, born in 1957. Because he remembered his grandfather. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, because you have to state the address where you lived. I'm like, my grandfather's grandfather was the guy who went down to the Comune and reported your grandfather's birth. That's amazing. And I, 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 that really, I bet you that was one of the best moments I've ever had doing genealogy. Oh, I can imagine. And I was like, wow. I was like, and could, those, could that guy have ever want, have imagined that 130 years later, his descendant and the little baby's descendant would be looking on this box it's unbelievable. At the record for the, it's just, it's just, it's why, it's why this works. Yep. People ask why this podcast works because everybody listening out here gets that feeling, and the people who don't get it don't listen. That's right. true. So that's why you're in the club because you all get this. <laughs> the ones who think we're crazy, they don't listen, but we don't want them to listen because we like you better. <laughs> all right, listen. Here's another good story from Mark, which is kind of along the lines of what we've been talking about today in terms of not having a lot of information. He said, "My grandfather." And grandmother came from a small town in Molise called Falsato. My father passed away when I was 10 years old and grandfather shortly after that. I was too young to know the significance of asking any questions about our Italian heritage. I really had no one to ask about my ancestry. Now in my mid-40s, I was armed with only a few photos that remained and reached out to anyone on Facebook with my last name living in Italy. It didn't take long before a connection was made and I found a cousin. My first trip to the town of Falsato was this past November 2019. I took my wife and 13-year-old daughter. My Italian family that I've never met before gave us the warmest welcome. We toured the town with the mayor and the priest and many other officials. They were prepared and had my grandfather's birth records and my great-grandfather's birth records. There were even photos decorating the walls of the comune, and they were able to point out our relatives. We ate gelato at the famous gelateria and treated us to wine. We then visited the house where my great-grandfather lived and another that my grandfather built. It still looks the same as the photo I had of it. When my grandfather could no longer travel back to Italy, he gave the house to his nephew. That house is still in the family. I feel at home in Italy, and especially in the towns of Falsato. So that's a pretty interesting story, you know, in the fact that he didn't have a lot. But he just kept going. Because the, the threshold. The you just got to go. The barrier's lower. You got to ask everybody. You got to call the comune, write the church. I mean, you got to do it. But the beautiful thing is you're... Search for your past becomes your roadmap for your future. Amen. Amen. No, so the road. Yeah, the <laughs> no, seriously, the search for your past becomes the roadmap for your future because right. your kids have the research done. Yep. And they can take their grandchildren one day and right. say, I remember when my father came here. And now that's like too many. I don't, I'm not good enough in math to figure out all those generations. But it's your great grandparents, right? So it's your kids' great great grandparents. Right. So it'll be their kids' great-great-great-grandparents and their kids' great-great-great-great-grandparents. Right, and now they have the information. Yep. And they have the information, which they can choose. Another thing I say to people all the time is they might say, I really couldn't care less. Right. Or they might say, is this not awesome? Because I, I, it's funny you should bring that up because my cousin's kid had to do a, a history of the family for school. And I wrote everything down years ago. I said, because if I'm dead, well, everybody's finished. I'm the only one yeah. who knows everything, right? <laughs> and she says, I wrote it all. I wrote 24 <laughs> pages <Synthetic>. down. <laughs> and it's the truth. I tell them all, the day I'm gone, you're up a creek because nobody pays attention to when I say things about this stuff. And I know the roadmap and I typed out on my computer 24 pages of not all the history, but basic history that if I kind of got hit by a bus tomorrow, they would know what was going on. Right. So she said to me, I have to do all this research for school. And I just, I, it was like in a, a word, it was like in word of like, whatever it was like 20 years ago. Like it was like an ancient script of, <laughs> of computer documents. But I sent it to her and she was amazed. And I was like, you know, she now has her history. And she said she loved reading, which I do believe. But it's her choice. When I'm in Ugambuzanda one day, if she wants to tell her grandchildren, she's got the resource. So it's now in her possession. Her wheelhouse. I mean, the people that are listening now, people that follow this show, and, you know, we're all of a breed that cares about this stuff a lot. And I think most families will have somebody like that, or you'll be that somebody. And I've been really thrilled to find members of my extended family, you know, my parents, cousins, kids, or their nieces and nephews, and this and that, who, because I'm so adamant about it, will find me on Facebook, or the relatives I know will send them and you know, they want to know this stuff. So you have to be that resource, too. So if you are doing this, there's 
a service to the rest of your family. Make sure you're sharing this because you don't know who you're taking for granted might have a story. You don't know who might want this information in the future. And you don't know the connections you're going to make for people that are somewhat distantly related to you now, even here in the United States, but you are a resource. I mean, this is this is all about preservation and enlivening these facts to be your your real life. And like you say, the, the past is kind of your prologue. So you got to make sure that you're telling everybody that you're interacting with in your family that you're doing this and, and you want information. You've got to be a hound. If there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's that you will never get the full story at one time. So it's not really a conversation that you can really have once and say, okay, well, I asked about about that and that's it. My Nona, I, I, I learn new things about her all the time. Yeah. And, you know, no one's talked to their own yeah. grandmother more about their, yeah. their history and their family's history more than me. But, you know, just last year on Valentine's Day, I heard her tell one of her friends on the phone about the first time she ever saw my grandfather. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't even know that my yep. grandfather was from Conversano and not <laughs> until recently. Yeah. Not not Whatever. But I think if you do have someone alive you're and you're fortunate enough to have them close to you, you know, ask questions. Yeah. Take out those photo albums. Yes. Look at all the pictures and ask, who is that? Who is that? Where was this? What year do you think this was? Write it on the back. You know, it takes some work on your part, but you may never get those chances again. Yeah, you know what? You know, I, I got a great story to follow up with that with Rosella. I found in an old, my aunt had a photo album from the 20s. And my grandmother had a cousin. I think it was her cousin in the Italian army in World War One, And I have no idea who it is. I had never heard about this guy. I can figure out from what was written on the back who it was meant for, and but I had no idea. Now, if if I had found that picture when people were alive, there's, you know, yeah. I could have found out what the backstory was. Right. And now... It's a mystery. It's a mystery. I don't know who it is that he's writing like, you know. Yeah, but you know what, though? That's the beauty of this whole search. It's like, you have to be fearless in in a certain way and courageous to do this because it does take up a lot of courage. Like, I'm thinking as we're talking, right, that military records, both here in Italy, are an abundant source of detail that some people don't really understand and don't right. even think to access. I mean, we found a lot about my great-grandfather from his military records. Uh, asking family about one another, I mean, I, I think about filling in your story, right? Taking a genealogical tree and building it into a family narrative. I was very close to my grandfather. He died when I was 16. There's a lot I wish I would have asked him. I remember when one of his surviving brothers was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and my brother and I decided really uh, just out of love of extended family, this great uncle we didn't really know that well, we were going to just go check on him in Brooklyn, and we started spending a lot of time with him, and he filled in things about my grandfather. Or I remember we had espresso one time, and I put in, as I usually do, a lot of sugar, and he said, oh... That's how my mother took her espresso. Mm. And I thought to myself, pearls, pearls, pearls yeah. about yeah, where do you get yeah, this no, from? It's... And and know where your family came from in America. I keep saying, like, if there's a club, go back to the club. Pat, you were with me. I went to the club. There's a 96-year-old gentleman who's there who went to school. My grandfather just gave me his third grade photo. I've never seen a young photo of my grandfather, ever. I mean, I think Rosella really said it best. It's like a lifelong learning process. Yeah. You're always going to find out new stuff. Yeah. Like, if you could be doing this in 20 years from now, you'll find out new stuff. I mean, that's kind of the thing that makes it interesting. Yeah. Right? Especially if you like history. And also, we've had a lot of people since we started the podcast have contacted us and said, you know, I now, like, call up my grandma and I record it. Yeah. Which is great. Like, you know, I ask questions. I'm kind of making that, you know, log like you could share with your children. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Here's another good one from Eric from the New Neighborhood. Going to the village of Bicari was the most enjoyable trips I've ever had. I lecture every Italian-American I come into contact with about how they are missing out if they don't go. I'm a third, fourth generation and met all of my relatives of Bicari 10 years ago on Facebook. There were no connections prior to this. I have been to the village four or five times. I have friended all of them on Facebook and constantly message each other. I buy their books and olive oil and they appreciate that I care. This last summer, I brought my dad, cousins, and their families. We had a large group of people. We went during homecoming week, so the village was alive with activities. It's like anything in life. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. The first time I went, I got a tour and hugs. The last time, we got special access to things, tours, met the mayor, and they cooked big meals for us. They gave us all kinds of gifts, and people came out of the woodwork to meet us. We are so lucky to be a part of a culture like this. 
You know, he makes a great point, Eric, this idea of homecoming week. A lot of towns have traditions where people come back, even if they live in Italy. Like my father-in-law's town, they come back for Amarona, my grandmother's town, August 5th, Our Lady of the Snow. Pat and I did this trip a couple of years ago with my dad's friends, many of whom had never been to Italy. And we, we started in Rome, then we went to Naples, then we went uh, to Salerno, uh, Sorrento. And then on the last day, we took them to the town of Tijano, which is where many of them had family, and it was their patron, San Cono's feast day. And so the town was all out. People that have left and live in other parts of Italy or Europe, they'd come back for the feast, and it was like the wealth of information you could mine. The whole town was sort of turned on to this idea of identity and genealogy and heritage, and we met so many interesting people, and people met their relatives, and, and, and got to see a feast that they remembered celebrating in Brooklyn in the Italian version, who was still walking without their shoes behind the saints, and, you know, just that, that umbilical tied to who you are. No, for sure. And here's another one from Matt that, that I know Pat's going to like this one. My first trip back to our family's village, Pofabro, Puili region, was life-changing, but my biggest regret was not speaking the language. I feel like it stood in the way of really being able to dig deep into the remaining family connections in Italy. As I'm sure is the case with many people here, my family comes from a tiny village and very few people speak English, so it was challenging, but it inspired me to come home and begin learning Italian. I wanted to be able to speak my family's original language in their native land. Since that initial trip, I've gone back several times, and each time my Italian gets better. I've been able to find relatives who still live in the village and, in fact, found my great-grandmother's cousin by happenstance last year when we went back to experience the town's Presepi. The woman was in her 90s and spoke no English and definitely was not on Facebook, but because I knew enough Italian... We piece things together. It was a very special moment that I'll always remember. There's a real sense of accomplishment when you can communicate. It makes you feel more connected to the country, city, town, or village. And that would be my main recommendation. That's great. We keep saying you got to put in the work, but like a little bit of language goes a long way. For sure. And you can do that. You know, there's resources now. You can do that easily. Yeah, there is, 100%. Another one from Lisa. I've been to the area where my family came from twice, but so far the second trip was best because I spent a day in each town and because I got to meet up with some relatives. Through her commune, I connected with a cousin who set up some meetings and a big lunch. Man, it was good. With some other cousins. Great place, great people. I was nervous about meeting them, but despite a few hiccups, things went well. On the plus side, I was able to have conversations with them due to the fact that I've been studying Italian for years now. Also, my cousin inspired me to start my own podcast. I write it as though she is only only one listening, though I have already received a few emails from other Italians who like it, and I'm grateful for her giving me that spark of an idea. The only downside is that I didn't have much time there or money to rely on. I wish I could change these last two issues. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you do have to factor in budgeting and thinking about things like that, but the bottom line is, again, you went, you had conversations, you made changes, and you started doing new things. Um, and it's a river, it you know, I mean, you start, you get what you can, you build that book, and when you come back in the future, maybe there's more resources, or maybe you meet somebody there that can connect with you online, and, you know, you're continuously adding to that book. But, you know, money may not be there now, but get what you can and share it with everybody. We got a, just two last stories that we want to share before we wrap this one up. Dina from The New Neighborhood, she said, I went back in 2013 for the first time. I found the family, came home, and was determined to learn Italian. I did. I go back every year to my great-grandfather's comune, Oriolo, in Cosenza province, sometimes twice a year, and have forged very close relationships with several members of the family and friendships with neighbors. We text weekly, if not more, send videos, and are in contact regularly. We also work together to create a family tree. It really has been one of the highlights of my life. That's you're powerful. going back and forth yeah. like that, you're probably bringing back super sod and cheese. <laughs> you're getting a lot of benefits out of that. If you want to stop over, <laughs> that'll take we'll some. We'll give you the address. But again, another short, inspiring message. I mean, come on, doing a family tree with them. and you know, It's been one of the highlights of her life. That's great. And then lastly, Christina says, I did make a pilgrimage back to the towns of my maternal and paternal grandparents. It was life-changing. The connection and spirit, spirituality of being there, towns and villages, was so beautiful and special. It may have been more poignant for me because I only knew one of my grandparents and for only a brief time in my young life. If possible, I would encourage everyone to make the pilgrimage. If you are blessed to have family in Italia, even more reason for you and your family to make the journey. Your, you, your family, and your lives will never be the same. Takeaway will bring pure joy, profound respect, connection, and love for all those who came before us and the incredible people they must have been to leave their homeland for all of us. So that was a, a nice way to kind of close it out with Christina there. And 
we did also have some questions from, for example, Nicole. I have visited Italy not for my family villages. Questions, concerns, being able to afford a trip, finding relatives and making connections, becoming proficient with the language. Again, all things we've been talking about throughout this episode. It takes some effort. You have to learn the language. You have to, and there's a lot of resources out there to learn the language. Now, listen, the reason that I wrote the book, 40 Days in Italy, and the reason I asked John if we could do this episode was because the whole point is that I wasn't an expert, just like you're not an expert, and I figured it out. So you can figure it out. Facebook, language apps, you know, there's a million ways that you can do it, and I had no prior knowledge either. So if, if we do nothing else with this episode... Talk to your grandparents, like Rosella said. Ask questions. You'll hear things you never heard before. So that's really why we wanted to, to do this episode. Thanks to John for, you know, kind of pulling it together and, and letting us all come and talk about it. I think it's important. I think Christina used the ideal word. It's a pilgrimage. And she used it many times. You know, a pilgrimage, if you look at it in a religious sense, there is a sense of uh, surrender and a sense of vulnerability to a pilgrimage. And that's basically the same in this process it's not always easy but that is where your family is from and that means that there is something there and don't get frustrated and keep digging that that's the best advice you could ever give so i always think of it from the perspective that the jewish people have a birthright to go back to israel and i always thought that italian people should absolutely have a birthright to go back to italy and see italy for the first time absolutely I mean, it's such an important thing to fully understand where you come from. We are a diaspora community that, for whatever reason, economics, uh, family tragedy, whatever it is, somewhere in your line, and everybody in this country, no matter what ethnicity they share, with the exception of the indigenous peoples, has a, a branch cut off that tree and planted in a new soil. And you can find the body of that tree again in some capacity. And it is definitional, whether you're interested or not, or no matter what you find, there is something about yourself and the people that came before you in a trip like this. So we definitely encourage people to go back and try. And if we can be of any resource, if you're in the new neighborhood, you have access, obviously, to ask us all the questions you want, and we do try to answer on time. So we'll keep championing this stuff, and uh, hopefully you guys out there will keep doing it. So from all of us at the Italian American Podcast, it's been a great conversation about a really important topic. We hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you next week. See you guys. Ciao. You have got the world on a plate. So see that you're born in Italiano, and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano.